The following program is recommended for ages 18 and over due to adult content. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Behind the Scenes, a look at some of the sometimes steamy inside of Hollywood with your host, Hollywood executive and former Victoria's Secret model, Summer Helene. Our program features the gossip, the dish, and the stories of what's really going on behind your favorite movies, television shows, and celebrities from the people who are involved in the industry. Now, here is your host, Summer Helene. Do you have a desire to be famous? Do you want hordes of people screaming your name? Then ask your therapist if Hollywood's right for you. Hollywood, where you can work your entire first year as an unpaid intern, followed by a mandatory minimum 18-hour workday with guaranteed unpaid overtime, where sexual assault is so common you get to sign a waiver promising not to sue even before you start your new job. Warning, side effects may include hallucinations. I'm trying to go through these side effects. I'm like hallucinations, obesity. I'm going through the whole thing. And I just tripped over my words. That very rarely happens. Um, basically, guys, if you're going to be in Hollywood, you're probably going to get fucked and not in a fun way. But <laughs> it's totally worth it. I'd like to remind everyone, every time we use bad language on the show, we give money to the Boys and Girls Club of America, the Humane Society of America, and free MMA. We swear because we care. Fuck yeah. I'm Summer Helene. Welcome to Behind the Scenes. I'm the Hollywood person that usually sits here disparaging Hollywood. And of course, my co-host, the hairiest bear in the cage, Bear Fiora, my MMA fighter guy that, you know, he, he's only on the show because he, 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 you know, he's sleeping with me. It's not because he's a lot yeah. of followers. That's, no, that's absolutely. How you, you know, you got a you casting couch. You got to make your way to the top. <laughs> I'm climbing the ladder. I'm, I'm fucking my way to the top of this ladder. Ugh, well, you're not doing a very good job. You never want to do it when you're training. I, well, I did. I did settle. <laughs> you are, you are sleeping on the couch, mister. All right, guys, welcome to Behind the Scenes. There is a whole lot going on in Hollywood this week. Um, but the saddest thing, of course, is still the bloody Ukraine. That, well, I, you know, it's funny, you were going to say the saddest thing. I was going to bring up the Johnny Depp and uh, Amber Heard. That, that's, yeah. Because it does appear that they're reaching an end to the trial, but it hasn't already ended yet, and it's massively in Johnny's favor. They recently released an audio tape during the trial, which was Amber Heard very explicitly telling him, I'm a woman, a woman you're a man, no one's going to believe you. There was a, it was a lot worse than that. That's like the PG version of what she said. I find it interesting. The rumor is she's nailing uh, Jason Momoa. Which sucks, because Jason Momoa, I got to tell you, his wife, his, his ex-wife now, is about one of the coolest people in Hollywood. Yeah. So that bloke is going to wake up and go, I fucked up bad. He's also been super quiet this entire time. This whole trial, I don't think he's made one statement about it. Really? I could be mistaken, but I've not seen any, I've not heard about any tweets, any Instagram posts. No one's talked about it on any uh, news reports or articles. He just she has a history be... of beating her partners. I'm just hoping one day one of them punches her back. I, it might be Jason. I hope not. He's a good dude. Oh, In a lot picks, of ways, picks, he's picks a good someone dude. Someone who's an awful person to punch Amber Heard. Yeah. No, I, I don't. All joking aside, no violence towards Amber Heard. This whole situation has been terrible. I really hope she gets some counseling. The worst of it is nothing is saying Johnny Depp was a good husband. Yeah. Nothing is saying he was not verbally and emotionally abusive. He yeah. was a dreadful husband. And a drunk. But yeah, but what she did was just so much fucking worse. <laughs> like, see, I don't think for me violence would be too easy for Amber. I think she should. If if these allegations are fake and she did this and ruined his life, like it's, it's pretty much coming out now. It is. 
she deserves actual punishment. No, there, there should be some legal legal problem, some mm -hmm. some legal re re recompense, recompense. God, I can't recompense, talk today. Repercussion. I, I I swear I'm I'm slow today. Um, but the unfortunate part is it's already cost him. Uh, it's cost him Fantastic Beasts. Mm -hmm. It's cost him Pirates of the Caribbean. And something he said, one of the interviews that absolutely destroyed me, uh, he said what he liked best about being famous and being at the level he was is he's not Brad Pitt. My assistant's in the background making noise. What the hell, dude? Um, he's he's not like Brad Pitt. Um, uh, I like this. I just got... Uh, so So... <laughs> From from my radio station manager here, I've got uh, the clip of Johnny Depp saying fecal delivery is hilarious. Now I'm going to have to look that up. He was hilarious throughout the whole trial, though. Well, well, jumping back, one of the things he said that was really heartbreaking mm. is he said the one thing he liked about being famous is he's not Brad Pitt. He's not one of those people that people go crazy and follow around, but he never had to eat alone. He never – he likes people. He likes company. He could go out to a restaurant and someone would come join him for dinner. He could go to a coffee shop and someone could come join him for dinner. And because he did a lot of kids' shows and things, yeah, a lot of kids would come up to him and he loved that. And he said after being accused of hurting uh, Amber Heard, a, a little child saw Jack Sparrow and tried to run over and the mum pulled him away. And he said that was the first time he ever saw that and it just shattered him. And – he said he couldn't imagine, you know, the world had turned on him and he said he, he got to be part of Harry Potter. He kept calling Fantastic Beasts Harry Potter, but he's mm. like, he got to be part of Harry Potter. He got to be Jack Sparrow. He got to do all of these things. And he started talking about going to this coffee shop right after this story had come out. And he hadn't really heard much about the story. And he'd gone into this coffee shop and it was like yoga mum morning is what he called it. You know, the yoga mums. And so he goes in and sits down. He said no one came and talked to him. And usually someone will come chat to him and then he'll buy their coffee and chat because he likes talking to people and he makes characters based on talking to these people. And so no one came and talked to him and he thought, well, maybe it's my hat. And so he took off the hat and sunglasses and like waved at people to say hi. And he's like, and no one came and said hi to him. So he went to say hi to someone and she just kind of ignored him and walked away. And he couldn't figure out what happened and then went home and heard about this whole thing of him hurting Amber Heard. And he was said, you know, I, I was never so famous that I couldn't go out, but I liked that I didn't have to eat alone. And she took that away from me and she took the kids away from me. They won't let me go to the hospital to be Jack Sparrow anymore. I really want to find – got to send me that portion of the, uh, of the, of the court hearing. I want to hear that him say that. I want to see it, the it reaction. Was, it, it was just – I was crushed. Yeah. I was That's just a, a fucking crushed. Feeling. Yeah, like I'm like, oh, you poor bloke. It's horrible. It was absolutely terrible. Well, that's what it does. You know, the, again, and I, I don't know how true this is statistically speaking, but I know that when allegations like this come out, it makes it that much harder for women who actually have these issues have actually gone through this kind of abuse to, one, want to speak out, but two, speak out and expect to be heard and defended. I think the problem is everyone uses that bullshit excuse um, that uh, fuckstick, uh, what's his name? Well, that's Jake Paul. Yeah, that's what I'm trying the, to avoid Jake here. Paul sexually assaulted. Like, I'd like to remind everyone, Jake Paul's a fucking rapist. But um, they there there are so few cases, mm -hmm. so few where women made it up. But Amber Heard's bullshit has put forward a place where people can turn around and go, well, maybe it's like Johnny Depp's case. Yeah, maybe it's like Amber Heard. Because it's the next thing. She had everything. I don't know if she had everything to gain, but she had a lot to gain from throwing him under the bus. Look at the millions she got. 
Well, apparently she didn't donate them the whole thing I, to it, and then that's been that's coming up. Now. She was going to donate that money has lost their marbles. There was no way in hell that woman was going to give a penny. I just don't like. Like, I will not go see Aquaman because of yeah. her. Abs- absolutely, Aquaman two is going to flop. I hope they don't put that movie out. It'll be an absolute loss to that. Which country. sucks because I like Jason Momoa. I absolutely fucking love Nicole Kidman. Like, she is my spirit animal. Mm-hmm. And it, it just it's it's awful. That was my bad. I'm sorry. Why is your phone on during the show? Well, I mean, the live stream is running, but I also guess I left this, the uh, the volume up. Yeah, you're don't, definitely don't at, sleeping don't look on at the me couch. With that smile. Don't look at me in that tone of voice. Yeah, don't look at me in that tone of voice. <laughs> so we, I'm really excited. Um, getting away from Johnny Depp being tortured by his horrible ex-wife, we have a very special guest on. We actually got him on the show because Bear comes up to me with this story from this dude about uh, pedophiles. So that's that's how this it's started. Not, hold on. So first of all, Gino Marco Sorsi, we're really excited to have him on the show today. Of course. Yeah, New York-based comedian, actor, creator. He's fantastic. But the way I found him was a bit about pedophilia. I, I, before you get too far in your heads, let me explain. He no, was, no, no, all I'm hearing from this is that you're a pedophile. Oh, Jesus. He was talking about, <laughs> as a joke, how there are different degrees and levels of pedophilia based on the age of the minor people are interested in, but the punchline turned out to be, well, it's not like you can ever make this a discussion without people thinking you are yourself a pedophile trying to justify I know, you got, actually, bad, I'm, how, not like, I'm not a pedophile, I'm this other I'm thing. This kind of, I'm this kind of file, like, dude, shut up, you like kids. Yeah, but it was just it was so well put together, and I thought that's fantastic. The guy's funny. We want to have him. I want to hear what he has to say. I want to have him on. I also just love having comedians. They're so yes, but great. when I tell this story, it's going to be that you were really into his talk about pedophilia, so you wanted him to come. <laughs> that's how I'm retelling. That is how I'm retelling this story, Beth. Yeah, that's how. That's how we're. Gonna technically, it is technically the truth. Hey, sure, it's technically the truth. <laughs> is it? I, Oh, there's it a loss for words. Well, I mean, I guess, was Johnny Depp verbally abusive? We can just say he was abusive, but it was only verbal. Are you trying to jump back to Johnny Depp now? I, like, that, that is how me. you're trying to get the attention. Yes, let, let the tragedy take over. <laughs> let the tragedy be what we discuss right it's now. It's like now he's bringing out mass graves in the Ukraine to avoid this. That's a bit soon, Bear. Bit it's, soon. It's a bit soon. Um, so he's a, he's a New York-based comedian. He's an actor. He's a creator. He's been featured on Netflix. He's been on PBS. He was on Real Housewives. Um, he's been in everything. Like I'm looking at his bio. This thing would take me 20 minutes to read. He's on TikTok. Make sure you follow him. We are going to be on with him after the break, of course. And he's got a whole bunch of sketches. I'm reading this. I'm looking at this bio. This guy is really accomplished. Oh, it's an insane amount. This guy, it, it feels like he's been around the world of Hollywood. Yeah. Literally one of the things I was going to ask him before I, before I got a chance to read his bio and knew better was like, do you, how does it feel being a comedian in the entertainment business? Do you feel like you're part of Hollywood? Do you feel like you're on the outskirts? Comedians are no, the, but, He is but, Hollywood. But, as, but think of it this way. As a fighter, I'm part of the entertainment business. But I don't see that because I'm a, I'm a fighter. I compete. I hit people. So I don't it's think, because you get hit in the head a lot. I don't think how I entertain the masses as much as Tom Cruise would or as much as uh, another actor would. I can't think of another name right now. But for a comedian, I wonder if it was the same boat. No, not this guy. He's so immersed in Hollywood. He's been in goddamn everything that I could see right there. It's just mm-hmm. that question's out the door now. It doesn't matter. Yeah. Just a bit Michigan's today, show. <laughs> it's a what? You're a bit of a mess today. Bit of a mess. Yeah. All right. All right, guys. When we go back to break, we are going to be back on discussing. <laughs> I am not trying. I have tried four times. Bear's been trying to teach me to pronounce his name. It's not working. I... Do you <laughs> want to try again? Huh? A G- oh, I get you. We'll be on with Gianmarco Sorsi in just a minute. 
Gion. Jihan. Gion Marquis Saucy. I'm going with John. G'day. We'll be right back after this, guys. I'm Summer Helen. Of course, my co-host is Bear. We'll be right back with John. I'm calling him John. That's I, I'm done. <laughs> Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. Racers and Rental Cars is the program for wannabe pro racers and those interested in the racing profession and automotive industry. Join hosts Cameron Ferre and Don O'Neill as they take you behind the scenes with previews and review for race day. It's about the business as well as the fun. We've got the scoop, the guests, the discussion, and the WTF moments. All you need to do is bring your ears. Racers and Rental Cars heard every Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite hosts. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit facebook.com forward slash voice America. You are listening to Behind the Scenes with host Summer Helene. To connect with the show today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to bts at summerhelene.com. Now let's go back Behind the Scenes. G'day, g'day, guys. Welcome back to Behind the Scenes. I'm your host, Summer Helene. We are on with my co-host, the baddest bear in the cage, Bear Fjorda. And if you want to follow us, you can follow us at... Uh, tune in BTS anywhere on social media. If you want to check it out. And right now, we are on with our... I'm like stalling. We are on with our very special guest. I'm going to try and pronounce Gion Cersei. Oh, my God. <laughs> it got worse. In the time since the introduction. <laughs> John Marco Cerezi. John Marco Cerezi. See, I got it right that time. Perfect. What a, what a great intro for me. Uh, the, the, the pedophile guy, John Cerezi. That's wonderful. So I'm just like, oh. Oh, we butchered, man. It's, so going, it's going so well. Well, welcome to the show. Um, I, I have to tell you, I had Lex like writing this down phonetically for me. Things have just gotten worse and worse, progressively worse. I love that on Twitter right now, I have people like really upset with how I pronounced your name. We weren't getting hate mail already, so it's going great. Welcome to the show. Uh, you have been in everything on everything from Amazon to Netflix, all over the place. You're New York based. I'm going to ask how you got into comedy. I, I say I, uh, a failed acting career. I, uh, you know, it's, uh, uh, I'm currently, I live in New York right now. I'm in Oklahoma City. And uh, I, I tell people if they say, how's your acting career going? I say, well, how many times do you see Meryl Streep headline the Looney Bin Comedy Club in Oklahoma City for 17 people? <laughs> so that's how it's going. And uh, from there, I, I kind of switched into comedy and it's been going a lot better. 
You enjoy comedy. I love. I you, I need that feedback. Being an actor yeah. is is humiliating. I mean, it's it's because uh, every actor is replaceable. You know what I mean? Like, look, Johnny Depp. You were talking about Johnny Depp. He was replaced. They just got another guy who looks kind of weird. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's true. Uh, I hate for that to look to be the case, but, but it's I, didn't, true. I didn't think about that. Yeah, yeah. He was just replaced. I mean, not not fairly, but he was still replaced. I can see that. Well, as a as a as a stand up comic, I got to tell you, that's that's like not my nightmare. I could not imagine getting up in front of a bunch of people because my fear would turn into what if they don't laugh? What if something, you know, what what if this doesn't work? Well, I, that, you know, that used to be my biggest fear, but since the Oscars, it's what if somebody hits me? <laughs> so it's, it's uh, my priorities have definitely changed. Well, think of it from this perspective. As long as it's like Will Smith that hits you, you'll be good because I know Chris Rock's shows sold out immediately. Of course. So just I, make I mean, sure. the, the just... worst is if Will Smith slapped you and you forgot to turn your camera on. That would be a real waste. Yeah. Oh, I think, but I think that's such a step out of line. Like the, the comedy is supposed to be irreverent, and it's just oh, such it's, it's such yeah. an awful thing. And everyone's made such a big deal out of you know Will Smith slapped Chris Rock, and I kind of prefer the perspective of Chris Rock was publicly assaulted on stage. It's kind of like a more absolutely. True there. And then that guy got an award. He got an yes! award after it. <laughs> how the That's fuck why they that on so he can get his award. <laughs> like how the fuck? And then he voluntarily quit the uh, the academy. I'm like, this is just ridiculous. Why is nobody like stressing out? Going, do, do you realize he just got up and assaulted a comedian voluntarily doing his quit. job? Like Chris Rock is up there doing his job, and he just felt the need to belt him. Oh man, all in an effort to try and prove that he's man enough for his wife. I, it's, I'm just saying, if someone comes into like Applebee's and punches a server, the cops will be called. Chris Rock was up there doing his job. Sure, sure, I don't disagree. <laughs> now, for you, have you ever had anyone get mad enough that they, you know, yelled at you or came up and you know pimp slapped you on stage? Uh, I've had someone charge the stage before. Um, it, it, it depends. Like, it, I've had scary moments. I've yet to be hit quite yet. Um, but I remember once I was at a club, I was a very young comic. You get cocky when you're on stage. You feel invincible because you don't think anyone would possibly do that. And there was some guy, he had a very large gold grill, and I, I made some joke about his grill. And he was like, what the did you just say to me? And thank God someone on the other side of the room dropped a glass. And I was like, oh, you, you, you scared that guy. You, you made him drop his glass. And thank God everyone laughed. At that, or I think this guy would have hit me. So that's that's the goal. You just got to defuse the situation fast. I would, yeah, especially as a, in that case where the guy might have come and hit you. I would think as as a comedian, you're probably a master diffuser by this point. I, mean, I can only imagine the things you could say or think that how quick you are in this profession. What could possibly come out? I mean, I got to be honest. As, as a guy who competes regularly, I definitely would not have had that kind of reaction. Oh, you, you managed to scare that guy. He broke his glass. Get everyone to laugh. I, yeah, but you punch people for see, money. Would, that is I a think very I would different escalate thing. escalate it worse than anything else. That's I like right. Again, this, you I, punch people for money. I like you, this better. You, he uses brains. You use brawn. Absolutely. See how I, that works? I got I to gotta learn that tactic. Work on the brains. See, now, for you... The I, security I at comedy clubs is... is Pretty pathetic, generally speaking. Really? Oh, no, you I, uh, I've done some casinos. Because here's the thing. You, you don't want to be like 
you don't want to be like uh, a loser on stage. So it feels very when someone like starts to get a little rowdy, you don't want to be the guy that's like, excuse me, sir, could you please, you know, uh, calm it down a little bit. So they have codes at the clubs where, like, some casinos, if you say, oh, this guy could use some water, and that's their code to go talk to that guy. But it doesn't always work. Like, I, I, once I had a heckler, and I, I, I said, this, this guy needs some water. Water over here. Water for this. Dear God, could someone get him some water? And I guess after the show, the bouncer was like, ah, it looked like you were handling it pretty well. You were making them laugh. And I was like, no, that's, that's, that's my job. Your job is to get them out of there. <laughs> that's terrible. <laughs> Thank you for saying I did my job well. Where are they yeah. <laughs> I did my job. I was on the stage. Where the fuck Like, what do I have you? to do? Do I have to start crying on the stage and curling a ball? And you go, he's not handling this very well. I, I should do something. <laughs> I love that you're, you are now punished for being professional. That's how this works. Yeah. That's the life of the comedian, though. You know, we got to be on the outside a little if we're going to be funny. Now, i got to ask, there's a guy online uh, that, that, like, records all his hecklers. Have you ever recorded yours? Uh, yeah. Listen, we, we live in a the, – the problem is comedians, we're very incentivized to post video clips as frequently as possible. And you only have so many jokes to post. So we have all kind of turned to, I believe you're talking about Steve Hofstetter, who kind of yes, like really, uh, really kind of mastered the medium of turning these heckler encounters into short form content. But so every comedian starts posting all their heckler interactions. And I think, unfortunately, one of the consequences is uh, some audience members are like, oh, that's what a comedy show is supposed to be. And so they oh. think they're helping the show. So, but like, listen, sometimes heckler, you can deal with it quick, shut it down, move on. And that's fine. That can be part of the live entertainment. But sometimes there's certain kind of hecklers that they just keep going and going and they got to be removed. Like, especially like a a bachelorette party. I mean, there's, there's nothing scarier at a comedy show than a white woman in a plastic tiara. That (laughs) is number one for what's going to mess up a comedy show. Do you, have a you can try to shut it down, but it, it's their night. I, I had a, a bachelorette party. I said to the woman, I said, uh, you look like Emily can't afford a ticket to Paris. And it got a laugh. I was like, great, let's move on. But she didn't want to. And that, that was the woman, the water situation. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. That, that's the talk about me more, talk about me more. Make your show about me. You are not paying me enough attention. That, that, yeah, yeah, you sound just you sound just like her. It's it's pretty incredible. It's <laughs> great. Well, I was going to say, Summer, were you at a comedy show? I have been to plenty of them. <laughs> Actually, the, the only the only one that I heard that was real bad from the audience was like, uh, was a mate of mine uh, owned a comedy club, and Michael Richards, he played uh, Kramer on uh, Seinfeld, went went on a bit of a rant. Um, but he yeah, well, we know the story. Have... You're saying it like we don't all know this story. This is the most famous <laughs> comedy story of all time. So, so he went, he went, yeah, he went on a completely like racist rant, acted like a complete. Ugh. And apparently, from what they were saying, this isn't the first time he did this. Mm. This was oh, just the first God. time it was videotaped. This was apparently a common go-to for him was to to th- threaten to lynch people. They're like, this happened oh, a lot. This is just part. the one time he got caught. And I'm like, are you kidding? And they're like, no, there's there's a lot of footage of it. He just got caught once. I was like, um. 
there's got to be a better way to, to to handle hecklers than you know abject racism and they're like uh yeah like handling the heckler is a skill. The wait, comics. Wait, wait, did the heckler stop talking though? Like no, no, it, it was it was yeah. bad. No, if, so I know you're joking about it, but if you watch it, it's pretty horrible. Oh, are you serious? Yeah. It's, okay, it's I'll, I'll, I'll give it a look. That I, I think sound, handling the heckler. Is, I don't want to sound insensitive. Yeah. Well, you 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 did anyway. <laughs> um, but handling a heckler is. Uh, I think a skill that comics have that most people don't. Mm -hmm. For you, the first time you dealt with a heckler, what was that like? Oh, it's really. I mean, it was pretty. <laughs> I, I should I not curse on this show because. Oh no, we give money to charity whenever you curse. Boys and Girls Club, Humane Society, and Free MMA. The more you swear, it's called the Sean Patrick Flannerty rule. He said the f word seventy-two times in thirty minutes. So it's. Oh, it's a Sean great. Patrick well, uh, <laughs> I, I uh, early on, I'm very new in comedy. Like, here's the thing: when you when you're handling heckler, if you express real anger funny like faux anger that's can be funny you know bill burr like anger but the moment yeah. they can tell you're really angry that's when it goes wrong and i had a show and there was a woman who was like she was like uh like if i said so i i went to the store the other day she'd be like oh and what happened at the store like it was a bad heckler and when i finished my set i said all right that's my time and then i said to her i hope you get hit by a car you fucking cunt and the room <laughs> went, room. the room, the air left the room. And I thought it was very funny because I thought the, the most problematic part was, I hope you get hit by a car. That's violence. But people were more upset that I called her a cunt, which uh, really? I, I, I can hear your Australian accent. I know that's how you say, like, good morning to people in, in yeah, Australia. Yeah, but, really, cunts uh, what's bothering them. No. That that they should never ever leave the U.S. I'm oh just God. saying. Being in the states, you said the c-word in America. I, I feel your pain. <laughs> is that really that big a deal here? Yeah, I don't know why. Oh yeah, cunt cunt is very very uh, it's a special word here. Huh. That that had to be special. So they got upset with you for oh. And the air left the room. Was it? I mean, that's not a like good a, feeling. Like you can tell when that happens. Did it's, you it's hang out at the bar afterwards, or you just bolt straight home? I like. I went home and I like wrote the the booker. Thank God it was just a small bar show. But I was like, I'm so sorry, and uh, I don't think I've been booked on that show since. But uh, <laughs> reaching five five years now, so maybe soon. I'll get a second shot. <laughs> so, so that, wow, that is pretty. That, that's pretty pissed off to not be booked there in five years. That's yeah, but it's just one one bar show of many. That's why you live in New York. You got it. You you got to get a, <laughs> you got to get blacklisted from a couple clubs, or you're not a real comedian. That's fair. That's fair. I've, uh, Andy Dix, a friend of mine, must make him the best comedian in the world because he's been blacklisted from about seventy-five percent of them. <laughs> um, yep. Yeah. He's, he's a real problem. So for you, uh, we've got about three, uh, two minutes till break. So I'm going to say for anyone here, where can they follow you on social media? And then we'll jump back into questions after the break, and we'll take some from the audience. I'm uh, everywhere at John Marco Cerezi, uh, spelled with a G G I A N M A R C O. S-O-R-E-S-I. Okay, so it's, an, it's Cerasi, not Cersei, and I'm going to put up a link uh, for everyone Please. to follow. <laughs> Please. Okay. Guys, we are going to go uh, to break when we come back. Okay, so let me see if I get this right. John Michael Cerasi. How do you have the Michael part? Marco. 
Marco. John Marco Sorosi. <laughs> Shit, yep. I'm going to break. We'll be right back with John John Marco Sorosi and Bear Fiora right after this. Stimulating talk it gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. Tune in to The Patricia Raskin Show on VoiceAmerica.com every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time. This is the program that helps you turn obstacles into opportunities, challenges into solutions, and find answers to tough questions with the award-winning powerhouse voice of radio, Patricia Raskin. So tune in and call in to The Patricia Raskin Show, Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the Voice America Variety Channel. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Follow the Voice America Variety Channel on Twitter. Our hosts always have something to say, and we know that you do too. We tweet on today's hot topics, and you're welcome to follow us. Speak up and join in at Voice AM Variety. That's at Voice AM Variety. You are listening to Behind the Scenes with host Summer Helene. To connect with the show today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to bts at summerhelene.com. Now let's go back behind the scenes. G'day, g'day, guys. Welcome back to Behind the Scenes. I'm your host, Summer Helene. We are on with my co-host, the baddest bear in the cage, Bear Fiona, and our very special guest. I swear to God, I will get this right. The guy on Twitter. I have a guy on Twitter who's saying it, it's uh, John Marco Sorosi. It's like surprisey. Sorosi, like crazy. Or in, in high school, like people cra- used to say sorosi, so gazy. So whichever helps you remember. I live, I, I'm back and forth between here and Palm Springs, and I'm a huge supporter of the LGBT community. So let's go with Gazy. I like that. <laughs> I like that. I mean, we have tons of gay listeners, so we'll, we'll, we'll go that Great. way. It's uh, All right, so welcome back. Uh, guys, we are talking about all things Hollywood, and we are talking about John Marco. I got that part right, yes. right? Yes. And, See, I got it. Let's just not let and, me say and, the last and, name. And speaking of talking about, but also talking with John Marco, John Marco <laughs> today, I have a question, Mandy. The way I heard about you, and the way I found you the very first time was again that pedophile joke we referenced just before you came on. I you guys have, need to listen to it. It is funny as hell. I have to know where the inspiration for that bit came from. <laughs> well, I first of all, you know, we call it a pedophile joke. It really is a vocabulary joke. It really is actually not that dirty at all. It's, it's just about educating people. I just remember I took AP psychology in high school. Yeah. And at some point, they taught us those terms. And they, they stick in your brain. And uh, I, I think with social media, like, it, 
words sometimes be mean more and more. Like gaslighting used to mean something very specific. Now it means like if you I'm ever uh, were mean to somebody. Um, yeah. And and I think the same thing has happened with uh, the, the the word pedophile. And I just remember. Uh, you know, the spectrum of uh, Michael Jackson was a pedophile, R. Kelly was a pedophile, Woody Allen was a pedophile, uh, uh, the, 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 where I said, oh, well, we should, we, should, we should be able to find some distinction between R. Kelly and Michael Jackson. I think that's, that's useful or that's, that's mm-hmm. uh, worth talking about. But if you bring it up in a conversation, people just assume that you are uh, defending something or you are <laughs> something, God forbid. And... Uh, so I was, uh, you know, as, as I say in the joke, uh, I was I put on a R&B playlist on my my Alexa uh, and it wasn't my playlist. Random one. R. Kelly came on and my, my girlfriend was like, you know, we can't listen to R. Kelly is a pedophile. And uh, I, I, I explained to her that technically speaking, not exactly <laughs> true. And uh, yeah, we called it a night after that. Um, so, so, so you're trying to do, she, so, so you're trying to, you know, do a bit of a mitzvah, and after and after that, she's like, he's a pedo. <laughs> so it, it's just, it's a, it's a, you know, a lot of comedians. We we like to touch on these topics that are a little dicey, and and I like doing that one because even if I was doing well in a show, as I started kind of breaking the definitions down, I can see the audience go, what the fuck is he doing right now? We've been laughing at an evil person. And uh, it's, it's just a, a fun way to play with uh, kind of calling the audience out on what they were thinking inside their head. I think I think it was. They thought great. you were a great guy up till that moment. Well, Bear comes over to me, and we're in the car, and it was a reference. Oh to wait, something. I gotta tell this story. Oh my God, fine. All right, so I, in reference to so being people being surprised, I uh, I'm coming out of a Panera Bread to summer, and I go over to my car, and there's this guy. He's got his whole upper body in my section of the car. No, 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 that's a whole different story. Oh, you're a different story now. Yeah, I'm not telling that story. Oh my God, okay, I'm so sorry. That has nothing to do with what I'm I saying. I didn't think so. Are you yeah, drunk? Talking, no. Well, what's your story? No, no. I was saying we were sitting in the car, and you come. You you were sitting in the car, and Bear leans over to me, and he's like, "I made so- reference to someone being a pedophile," and he's like, "Well, actually, they're not a pedophile." And I looked at him like, "What?" <laughs> and he goes and he tells me about your joke, right. and he's going through this whole thing, and we get finished. I'm like, "No, I used the right term, pedophile. It's under 10. T- but thanks. Now I'm concerned about us dating. I took my AP psych class from this guy. You know? Yeah. Uh-huh. The, the problem is I used it correctly, and now I'm concerned. I'm like, yeah, we're not fostering any more kids. You're getting help. Do you ever get the look from people like, um, you, you said you get the what the fuck is wrong with you look, but does anyone ever turn around to you and go, why are you so invested in what version? Yeah. I think the good part is like the joke itself calls out when people do that. I originally posted the joke on, on TikTok, not at a live show, like just saying it to my phone. Mm-hmm. And um, I got really dragged for that video. Uh, a, a famous comedian drag queen named Bob, Bob the Drag Queen, made a video. You know, you can stitch videos on TikTok. And so it started yeah. with me going, uh, technically speaking, R. Kelly is not a pedophile. Just hear me out for a second. And then it cut to him being like, uh, no, thank you. And him posting that, 
got everyone commenting on this video, making stitches of this video, just calling me horrible, horrible things. And uh, I, I felt really good because I, I knew that I had just told that joke for Comedy Central. And I was like, oh, I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you that this, that this joke functions. This joke functions on stage. Um, and, you know, it's, it's one of the things you have to risk as a comedian, being misunderstood. But I think if the joke itself uh, is, is high quality, it will uh, – people will defend it who understand where the humor is coming from. I think it was excellent. I, 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 it's also kind of educational. I, I don't like saying that. But <laughs> I don't feel good about saying that, but it's, it's kind of educational. Um, what is the, your favorite joke of all time? Like your personal favorite joke? Oh my God. Uh, there's, there's, there's so, so many of, uh, so many jokes I wrote, but no, no, there's, there's many, um, <laughs> Let's see. Oh my gosh, you know, I, I put on the spot, but I'll try to just think of, of one that I enjoy. I um, I think of I believe it's Gary Goldman, and if I'm wrong, I apologize. He's a great comedian, but I'm Jewish, and I think about this all the time. My girlfriend, uh, I wasn't raised very Jewish, like you know, I'm 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 circumcised, so I paid up front, but I didn't do any of the other <laughs> stuff. But uh, my girlfriend grew up uh, Orthodox. Uh, and, you know, whenever I see men wearing uh, yarmulkes, uh, Gary Goldman, I believe it's him, has a joke. He saw someone wearing a watermelon uh, yarmulke, like a yarmulke that was colored so it was like, looked like a watermelon. And he said, I think a god that is uh, chill enough about yarmulkes that he'd let you wear one that looks like a watermelon would also be chill enough for you to not wear one. And I just think about like that. It's just like those kinds of jokes that kind of I think about all the time whenever I see a yarmulke. I'm like, that's that's so true. That's so true. If God was okay with you wearing a watermelon yarmulke, He'd also be okay with you not wearing a yarmulke at all. And uh, those are the kinds of jokes that kind of sit with you. Ones that really seem to point out something in the world that doesn't make sense. And uh, that's what I hope I did with pedophiles. I'm going to say that when we go to synagogue next time, because there was some smiley face yarmulkes. Like, there, there were kippahs with I, smiley faces on them. <laughs> so I, I'm telling I the mean, rabbi that. <laughs> my, my, you know, I, again, I, I didn't have much Jewish stuff growing up. My girlfriend, she's been teaching me a lot about uh, Jewish culture and, and customs. Like, uh, uh, a couple weeks ago, she was giving me a blowjob. I heard her go, and uh, that's Hebrew for wrap it up. <laughs> I got, I got to tell my mom that. That was so great, man. But it, it brings up a question for me. How, what, how do you set up a good joke? That was, yeah. That, well, like that. He just did. Like, that was really like, you obviously, I, these are experiences, but you have to put them together to make them funny. What's, what's like your mindset for crafting these jokes? I mean, it's, the, the inspiration comes everywhere. So like, like many comedians, I just keep notes. Uh, kind of in my phone. Uh, I, like, like one recently I, I thought of you, my girlfriend and I, I, I noticed that when we had been fighting that we both are in therapy, so we both have been kind of, we both quote our therapists back and forth to each other. Like that's kind of what our arguments have become. And so something about that is funny because we're almost like we're not even fighting from ourselves, we're fighting from our different therapist points of view. So I'm like, okay, something's interesting there. 
how do I make a joke out of it? And right now the way I'm working it is like, you know, my, my girlfriend, she'll be like, you know, my therapist says that you use work as a trump card over spending time together. And, and then I say, okay, well, my therapist says he could beat the shit out of your therapist. <laughs> so you, you, you realize there's something funny about the scenario, you quoting your therapist to each other, and then you go, okay, how do I heighten that? You know, my, my therapist could counter with something that shuts down our therapist. That's the real world thing. But how can I make it a little bit more absurd? And then, uh, you know, c- c- compare it to the language of people go like, well, my dad says this. Well, my dad could beat up your dad. And then you connect the two. And then, you know, you, you smooth it out. And then you got a joke. I got to tell you, man, I said the moment that it hit me, I had this instant image of your two therapists standing side by side. And your girlfriend says that to you. You would lay back how yours can beat up her therapist. And in my brain, your therapist just cold cocked the other guy and turned to you and said, Great. Yep, you're right. It's, it's going to look like rock'em, sock'em robots. That's exactly what it was to me. No, that's it's, how, but that's, that's it. It's painting a picture. I think it's brilliant. Yeah, it really I, I was. really think it's brilliant. I don't know if you call that finished, but I, I would say that's very refined right there. I, 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 I like appreciate that. it. So for you, you're, t- you're on tour right now. Yeah. Where are you going to be next? For every, so everyone can come so, in. So if you're in that area, go see him. Yeah, next next Thursday, I'm going to be in uh, Dallas. Or this Thursday, I'm going to be in Dallas uh, at Hyenas Comedy Club. Friday and Saturday, I will be at uh, uh, Rudyard's. It's called The Riot, and that's in uh, Houston. And then um, weekend after that, I'm going to be at the Helium Comedy Club in St. Louis. And uh, then after that, I mean, I'm all over. I'm going places every single weekend. I'm going to be in D.C., I'm going to be in San Diego, San Francisco, but the best way to keep track is going to my social media and signing up for uh, my text list or my email list, and you can just, like, specify it so you get a message just when I'm coming close to you. When you come out to Palm Springs or L.A., we've got to come see you because I'm a huge fan. Please do. Oh, absolutely. Please yeah. do. It's, uh, when, when, though when I tell people I'm going to see you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to turn around and be like, we're going to go see the pedophile guy that Bear likes. That's how this is going to go. It's going to I got a new one in that same realm that is uh, probably too <laughs> fucked up to put on the internet, but oh, no, I will no, do no, it no. if you see me live. I, see, you, that, that is fantastic. You should see the internet's where fucked up things belong, though. I'm just <laughs> sure, saying. Sure, <laughs> sure. Like, I look forward to that. Oh, your first one, it was uh, such a wild success. You don't want to re- relive that? <laughs> that. That was, that was brilliant. <laughs> but, it's amazing when someone catches a hold of something like that. Like you were talking about the comedian that uh, saw it and then decided just like, no, thank you and cut through it. It's that moment of, you know, she never finished the joke. Like she didn't listen to the whole thing. She just listened to the first part and went, nope. Totally. And that's, and that's, but that's ultimately like, that's the thing with the internet. Like, you know, I, I think sometimes people go like, Oh, aren't people so, too sensitive and offended these days. If you go to a comedy club, it is very rare, very rare for someone in the audience to get incredibly upset or shut down a show. There's hecklers, but mostly like people don't don't really get offended if they're with people and they understand the context of it. It's just on the internet where there's there's sometimes context can get lost or people are very selective and you deal with a couple people who are a little too obsessive with trying to get people in trouble to feel better that's an issue. But if you go to the club, it, it almost always is a really fun time. What do you think sense. about what uh, Jerry Seinfeld said? He doesn't like playing college clubs anymore. 
I think it's horseshit. I mean, I have done so, so many colleges, and uh, I, I haven't had that experience at all. I've, I've, I've never changed uh, my act um, in terms of, like, worried about offending people. I just think, like, there's a difference between, like, first of all, somebody, he, he cites this joke sometimes about, like, scrolling through your phone is like a gay king. It's, it's like this joke where I'm like, well, it's, it's, not, it's, not, it's not the best joke in the world. So I don't, I don't know if that's why people aren't laughing. But I, I ultimately think that there's a way to show that you're clearly playing a character or that your joke is not targeting people who are in pain but is, in fact, kind of uh, insulting yourself. Um, I, where, and I think that that's with every kind of joke. You know, I have jokes that are about race, but they're more about, like, me kind of failing to try to be a, quote-unquote, good white ally. And so I think the way the joke is structured, it's clear that I'm really the butt of the joke. And, uh, and that's what I want to do. I'm not like, I'm not doing that begrudgingly. I just think that's where the most unique point of view is going to be is me kind of making fun of myself and my own failed attempts and, uh, of trying to do the right thing. I can see that. I think uh, something Bob Saget had said after uh, Jerry Seinfeld said that, he's like, man, you were never offensive or very funny in the first place, so I don't know why you're having problems. Um, so, <laughs> I like Bob Saget, sorry. Was, um, so, so that was kind of Bob Saget's take on it. It sounds, yours sounds much better, better structured, um, but, but, but similar. Who is your comic icon? Please don't say Jerry Seinfeld. Uh, <laughs> no, my 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 two favorites are uh, Anthony Jeselnik and John Mulaney, are uh, two people I just admire tremendously. Just both incredible, incredible joke writers, and um, just have a very cool career that I think they stay true to their artistic vision throughout it. So I I really look up to and Maria Bamford, uh, Maria Bamford. So those are those are the three I'd say. You know, I, I don't know the, the lady you just mentioned, but of the other two, I can totally see... Did you know Maria Bamford is? Uh, Go to the corner. Oh, my God. I can um, I can totally see why those two would be an inspiration for you. I can actually see kind of how they convey their jokes come out when you uh, go off your bits. Well, you're talking like he's yeah. like George Lopez and stealing jokes. It's not like No, that. no, no. Absolutely not. <laughs> like, this is not like... Uh, it's not George Lopez or... What's, what's his name? Who's the uh, El Salvadorian comedian who got in trouble for ripping off Joe Rogan's bits? Ixnay on the Rogan A. He's been in a lot of trouble lately, and every time you bring you him up, we get in trouble. Carlos Mencia? <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That, that was, yeah, it was a long time ago, though. I think he's, I think he's, uh, served his time in joke jail. Oh, yeah, of course. Fair enough, for sure. What do you think about comedians using other people's jokes? Do you think that's a big problem, or do you think it's kind of everyone's inspired? Because, I mean, everyone rips off George Carlin. Sure, sure. I mean, I think with with so many comedians in the world these days, there's there's uh, you have to be careful about like some people are stealing and sometimes it's parallel thought. And God yeah. knows on Twitter, people sometimes accidentally say the same thing, make mistakes. Um, I think it's it can be rough when like a more famous comedian. You hear stories now and then about people stealing. I think the comedy community is pretty good about uh, kind of catching those folks and making them look like shit in the public eye. Um, it's not good. It's, it's terrible if you're not paying for it. And especially if you're a big comedian who Take from you a could little be guy. paying people to be your writer. Yeah. Um, 
but I don't think it's as big a problem because I think it's very popular in comedy these days to be extremely personal. And I think that's how you, you're, you're kind of like funny. Like, I just think I have some jokes that I think someone else maybe could have come up with, but some of my like best jokes are the, the reason I thought of the idea was because my parents got divorced when I was seven days old or, um, you know, some something specific about I, I'm dating a, a woman who used to be an Orthodox Jew. Like there's only so many people who have that in their life. And unless you're close to it, I don't think you think of like the funniest joke from it. So I don't think it's as big a problem, um, but it's it's not good when it happens and you just try to call it out. And at, at least with the Internet, most people can prove, hey, I told this joke three years ago. Have you that ever had sense. anyone rip off your jokes, aside from Bear, who has retold your joke many times very badly? And poor, yeah, poorly. Very poorly. There was there was some TV show that someone I knew was in the writer's room, and there was a joke similar to the one that I made. And it's hard. Like, you, did they steal it outright? Was it parallel thinking? Did they do it unconsciously? Um, but I think, you know, so, so many comedians, like, have accused Saturday Night Live of stealing something. And, like, once in a while, it's like, hmm, that seems fishy. And then other times you're like, yeah, but, like, if you thought of every single joke about, uh, you know, Chris Rock getting slapped by Will Smith, like, there's a good chance there's going to be some overlap. Everyone was making jokes about that. So Convergent I think evolution. you just got to be hesitant. Got to be hesitant or else you become kind of the boy who cried joke thief. <laughs> That makes sense. It's it's, uh, it's it's comic convergent evolution. People can end up in the same place. Yeah, I can see it's that. It's how you mm -hmm. get a Tazzy Tiger and a, a Dingo and a Wolf. How do you think social media has either influenced or changed the world of comedy? Ooh, that... I just think it's increased the need for output. Like, uh, yeah, I, I make the majority of my income, honestly, off off social media platforms, and some of these yeah. uh, programs have have ways they pay the creators and. It's like it's good in the sense that I can get paid, but it's it's I think harmful to all art forms because it demands a relentless amount of content and jokes take time. I have jokes that I didn't really figure out until four or five years after the fact. And um, I think a lot of comedians like me who are touring and desperately trying to fill seats, we've become kind of content monsters. And uh, eventually you, you run out of the good jokes. You start producing the okay jokes or they're super topical. So they'll go viral, but they're not great at their core. Or you start posting too many crowd work clips and too many heckler clips. And before you know it, you're just kind of running on fumes. And I think uh, my generation of and, and above and below are all going to have to ask themselves, are they maintaining quality control? And do they care? Is it more important to rise up in the ranks and fill seats and get a following? Or do they want to uh, really come up with great jokes? And it's something I struggle with. Um, in the morning, I, I must do hours on, on social media between videos and captions. And um, yeah. I have to remind myself, take some time to just work on a new joke and, and work on a new chunk that maybe isn't made for social media. Maybe it's too dark. Maybe it deals with something that's kind of heavy. But but take the time to, to be an artist and not just a, a content creator. I got to say, I think that is incredible advice. Um, I see it. 
I think in a lot of professions, you know, Bear's a fighter, but again, most of his time spent on social media. I mm-hmm. see it with you. I see it with a lot of comedians. I see it with a lot of artists these days, and it is a double-edged sword. Your fan base will make sure people show up to your shows, but you're also performing for them already 24-7. So when they get there, they want to feel something new or hear something new. And if you've been working and working and working, it's just, it's got to be really, it's got to be really difficult. It's got to be really hard. Yeah. What brought you personally to social media? I mean, I, I really, I was always doing it like everyone, but it was, it was the pandemic. And I, I went to TikTok and I had all these old jokes. I had no idea what to do. I had no idea what my future ha- held. And that's when I started kind of making the videos that started popping off. And I, I rather than try to, like, do something outside of stand-up, I was like, I'm just going to tell my jokes. I'm just going to do the thing that I feel most passionate about. And um, it, was an easy, it was an easy way to kind of still feel like I was a comedian without, even though I didn't have an audience. And... Um, I haven't looked back. It's been like that ever since. I think that's awesome, man. We have about three minutes to close. Where can let's say again, where can everyone find you on social media, and where is and where is the next place you're playing? Because I want people to go in and be like, "Hey, yeah. I listen to you on the show." So, well, listen to my podcast. It's called The Downside with John Marco Cerezi. Um, you can just put in the downside. I'm sure it'll pop up. And then I'm everywhere at John Marco Cerezi. The link will be there, but it's G-I-A-N-M-A-R-C-O-S-O-R-E-S-I. And uh, in terms of dates, uh, next Thursday, I'm in, in Dallas, uh, Friday, Saturday in Houston, the weekend after St. Louis. On uh, two weekends, I'm at Mohegan Sun in Connecticut, Arkansas, San Diego, San Francisco, but find it all on my social media and just sign up for the mailing list or the text, and uh, we'll let you know when I'm coming there. We will put up a link to John Marco Cerezi, guys. You can click on him. You can watch him. Wait, did I just get that right? You put right that, was, in, that was amazing. Tell me, you got it. Tell me if I, if, tell me if I got it right. Uh, write in and tell me, and we'll give you a ride at Off-Road Rentals in Palm Springs, California. If you look him up, you follow him, you tell me what your favorite joke of his is, we will give you a ride at ATV, an ATV ride in Palm Springs, California. We're also giving away some uh, with ballet flats. We've got some jewelry. We've got a ton of shit we're giving away. Just write in, tell me what your favorite joke of his is, and if you're the third person, you win some. Your choice. Now, I'm going to say thank you so much for joining us. I think you're a fabulous comedian. We're definitely, definitely, definitely going to keep up on you and what you're doing. Thank you. Thank you so, so much. Guys, follow him. Of course, I'm Summer Helene. I know you'll follow me because you're abusing me on Twitter for not getting his name right. And thank you, of course, to my co-host, the baddest bear in the cage, Bear Fiora. And we will see you guys next week. Thank you for joining us on Behind the Scenes. Good night. Thanks for checking out the show. Behind the scenes can be heard live on the Voice America Variety Channel every Friday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific. Be sure to join Summer Helene for more Scoop next week.